Hello and welcome to the 22nd, I think, episode of the Unraveling Technology podcast. Me, Joe Tonks, joined as it was written by David Johnson. Hello. Hello. And our special guest for this week, Nathan Rona. Hello. Hey, how nice you doing? To, nice to be here. I'm good. Very nice good. to have you. I've been, not going to lie, I've been waiting for this moment for a while now. <laughs> what, well, 22, did you say 22 episodes? Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't even have 22 staff, so we must have missed you out at some <laughs> point. <laughs> don't know whether to take offence, really. It's fine. Yeah, I think, because there were some people that were not quite vocal, but passive-aggressive in their, their wish to not be on the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, but no, then, I, thought you were but then say, I, forgot, I forgot who it was. I thought you were going to say people who wanted to be on the podcast. Oh, no, no, it's pe- people that didn't. It was Viv. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we'll get him on one day. <laughs> okay. Like, fair enough. I mean, because it used to be we'd have a special topic, you know, each week. But yeah. then we've, we've sort of got to the point where we've covered all topics. So <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've done our That's all she wrote. Absolutely <laughs> everything <laughs> covered. Technology. What we need is a new tech to come out so we can wax lyrical about it. But for the time being, we're just going to fill the silence with... Um, what was that? <laughs> no idea. That may have been my Apple Watch. Being oh, in. right. Oh, great. Yeah, we could, we could come on to that later. It's good to have someone with an Apple Watch in. Yeah. So we're just going to hit uh, hit some news stories uh, as we do all the time. Um, Apologise in advance if we've got the sound of building work going on outside. We basically had building work going on pretty much for all of our twenty two episodes, as far as I can remember. <laughs> pretty much. It will finish at some point, but uh, <laughs> it's in full swing today. Yeah, we don't know what'll last longer though. The uh, the building work or this podcast. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, stand by. Will it stand yeah. the test of time? Yeah, but today's been the big day. So today we've had to sort of half vacate the car park so they can roll all of the brewery equipment in, mm. um, uh, which is it seems to have gone well. I think they've just about finished now. But yeah, Adam sent me a text yesterday saying, what are they building in there? Is it a brewery or a meth lab? Just these massive stainless <laughs> steel containers going in. They're pretty huge. They are. There's a, it's going to be a lot of beer going in those, one would hope. Yeah, um, yeah but uh, anyway, they've, they've about done for the day, so I think we'll just crack on and hope for the best. So the first story that I put up was um, going back to the old drone thing, because we've talked about that a few times. There was an incident a few days ago at uh, Heathrow. Heathrow Airport? Yeah. Uh, where a, a drone hit a British Airways plane as it was as it was coming into land. Um Apparently, you get a lot of near misses. Hmm. Uh, I found uh, what they called here the UK Air Prox Board, UKAB is their acronym, uh, say that apparently in six months of last year, between April and October, there were about 23 near misses with aircraft. And uh, I guess it was just a, a question of time. And here we are. Yeah, so the very first hit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Landmark day, cut the ribbon. At least it's believed that this is the first incident. Yeah, um, and I think when when the story first came out, actually, before it was confirmed, there were people saying, well, you know, it, you'd surely, you know, uh, can he confirm that it's a drone? It might have just been a bird, because birds hit planes all the time. Hmm. Um, I think I saw something about them not having found the remains of the drone yet when I first saw the story as well. So Yeah, I mean, interestingly, I've just read uh, a couple of minutes ago that um, The Verge has put an article saying that it may have actually been a plastic bag rather than a drone. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. So okay, ignore that. That would story. make it less Next exciting. <laughs> well, it, even so, I don't. 
I kind of think you kind of think it's going to happen eventually anyway. Yeah. Where it, even with whether it was a drone or not, it's only a matter of time. Mm, yeah. And, I mean, people will be people. Um, civ- civ- last time, so we we looked at this a while back. Drones. I think it was our second episode, wasn't it? It was fairly early on, I think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, since then, the Civil Aviation Authority has updra- updated their website with the drone code. They put the drone code. It's even got a video, like a first-person video of a drone flying with all the rules sort of <laughs> overlaid on top of it. So, drone code. Make sure you can see your drone at all times and don't fly higher than 400 feet. Always keep your drone away from aircraft, helicopters, airports, and airfields. Mm. Use your common sense and fly safely. You could be prosecuted if you don't. And then there's, there's an addendum as well saying that if you've got a camera on your drone... You can't fly within 50 metres of people, vehicles, buildings, or structures. It's quite a distance, 50 metres. Yeah. yeah. But then there are some powerful cameras. The problem that's... or it, I guess the question that's come up with this, though, is how are they going to enforce rules? Yeah. Because at the minute, most people can buy a drone whenever they want mm-hmm. and fly it without any kind of monitoring or anything. It's only when somebody breaks the rules and then maybe gets caught doing it yeah anything actually happened well um there has been talk of maybe using uh, gps to stop drones from entering aerospace yeah geofencing geofencing yeah okay. which we see well most often in my day-to-day it's things like ipads geofencing so if a if a corporation has a bunch of ipads you can geofence them so if they're taken out of the building it alerts someone or they no longer work mm. to stop them being nicked but yeah this would be quite a good idea for drones to stop them getting to places where planes is at it's basically down to the manufacturers for that one though isn't it yeah um, so yeah. they basically have to build in the geofencing in at a software level and then Which, communicate with yeah. the airports and all the other places that don't want drones flying over them uh, to make sure that those drones don't work or won't enter those airspaces. Yeah, I mean, in what way would they not work? Would they just fall out the sky? I assume yeah. not. <laughs> the, the problem, I I don't know whether this incident at Heathrow was actually in restricted airspace or not, though. Right, okay. So, so that's, it could be that the plane, because airplanes fly fairly low over um parts of London before it actually comes into Heathrow's airspace. Have you got figures for how high it was when it got hit? Uh, According to the BBC, the Met Police said the plane was hit by the drone at 1,700 feet while flying over the area of Richmond Park. It's over the 400 feet, isn't it? Someone didn't read the drone code and exceeded that height by three times. Oh really? Wow, okay. That's pretty high for a plastic bag as well. Yeah, true. So, who knows, maybe there's more to this story maybe some of these figures aren't quite right um, <laughs> you never see a plastic bag that high do you you might see a balloon occasionally floating off and some screaming child somewhere who's just like accidentally let go of it <laughs> but not a plastic bag and I don't believe you're able to see altitude with GPS technology it's just location mm, surely I think you can, can you? Mm. you can get out I don't know whether it's using GPS but you can get Altitude off off your drone when you're flying it. Maybe some other some other pressure or altimeter kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you could always flash the firmware, say override that, do something to it. 
yeah, uh, or buy a drone where the manufacturer is not bothered putting those things in or yeah, hasn't updated the, the geofencing. Yeah, I would imagine there's a cost to it. Maybe they, they don't want that cost because they want to sell their drone cheaply. So Yeah, then, then you start getting the government involved and getting legislation saying that they have to implement this or they can't sell them and mm. you know it gets complicated the other thing that people are suggesting is um, registration so oh, okay. you would kind of like owning a gun you would have to register the fact that you own a, and a drone, own a, uh, drone. Yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of on the lines of having a license isn't it like having a driving license yeah. to drive a car you need a license to fly a drone do you need to have a license? Will that no 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 drunk driving <laughs> doesn't even really work? No, <laughs> not no, quite. No. <laughs> drunk driving, yeah. I, I think that's probably one of the strict ways of policing it. But then I would imagine, at the same time, as you said, no evidence of a drone being found yet. But that could be because it was smashed into a million pieces. It could mm. have parts in Manchester, parts in Birmingham. So the original story I read said that, I think, it did it hit the nose of the plane? Somewhere um, that the, the pilot could see it. Yeah, the plane was fine and landed fine and nobody was injured or anything like that. Mm. Um, but there's definitely been some research into the effect of drones going through engines. I was going to say, because I, I thought there hadn't been any. I thought, because a lot of people were saying, well, birds go through turbines all the time. Would, so would it be any they, different? I don't think there's been official research, but there's been um, universities in America that have done stuff, okay. launched a drone into a, a jet engine as, <laughs> as the jet engine's at takeoff speed. Yeah, That'd um, be a great test to witness. <laughs> see what happened. I, I think... still prefer the chicken. <laughs> rubber chicken of course I'm not not a monster but that's the thing that's the sort of thing Jakes used to do wasn't it uh, it's the sort of thing throw we, chickens we, through jets no it's the sort of thing we <laughs> joked about Jace doing I don't think he had ever actually did I've seen Jace running some pretty intimidating looking engine simulations on his laptop it's uh <laughs> Yeah, there wasn't a chicken when I when I looked in fairness. <laughs> so yeah, um I think basically as as well as just kind of the initial impact and stuff, the drone itself kind of then breaks up into lots of different parts, which then bounce around the inside of the engine and continue to do large amounts of damage. Okay, so, so sustained damage. Whereas I guess a bird just kind of gets shredded. Yeah. I'm not exactly an expert on this. <laughs> um, yeah, so there is some kind of sustained damage. But yeah, it's it's not an official research. I don't think any official research has been done by anybody like Boeing or anything like that. No. That might be worth, worth doing. Um, especially as these things get bigger and sturdier and more people are buying them. It's a consumer level worth doing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, if you own a drone... Don't fly it over people and don't fly it near aircraft. I think yeah. the, the general rule of thumb is make sure you can see it. Yeah. As well. Keep it in your line of sight. If it's going to be that high, what, 1,700 metres, I'm pretty sure it'd be quite hard to see your drone from there. Yeah. I mean, you know, think maybe, tiny. maybe it just got lost. Maybe the app got stuck or something. <laughs> it just kept going up and up and up, but you're not going to take responsibility for it, are you? Presumably they would have had a camera on it, so they were just flying it by its onboard camera. Yeah. Tell it to what? I mean, at 1,700 metres, where are you monitoring that feed from? 
what what's what's it relaying through? I think just over the internet. I don't know. I don't think it's point to point like Bluetooth or anything. I think it People it uses are the internet. Drones over four G. <laughs> <laughs> I can't load web pages on four G sometimes. <laughs> I want to fly a drone on it. But you get to the point where you start accidentally connecting to someone else's drone. Your phone just picks <laughs> yeah. up another drone, and then you're in control of this other drone. Or the drone gets out of range and then connects to the BT cloud instead and gets a landing page and then it can't log in. And... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, that's your, that's your update of drone news for the week. So the, the next thing I want to have a look at is this, this fella who deleted all of his company data with rogue code. Or did he? Uh, so this comes out of an article uh, in the, on the Independence website a few days ago about a man and I'll read I'll read what he put up so this was on um, uh, server fault forums it's like it's kind of like um experts exchange or stack overflow where you, you posit questions and yeah. get other people in the area to mm-hmm. you know, yeah. specialism to answer them yeah get us to come and you know answer them for them and uh, yes, he put, uh, I run a small hosting provider with more or less 1,533 customers. That's more or less, you know. It might more or less 33. It's pretty specific for more or less, but <laughs> hey. And I use Ansible to automate some operations to be run on all servers. So last night, I accidentally ran on all servers a bash script with an rmrf uh, command. So, any any Linux gurus in the room want to want to talk us through RMRS? Remove recursive folders. Yeah, good going. That's probably my least favorite area at the minute. <laughs> so ba- honest, basically, I'm, I'm delete it. everything in this folder and everything in every subfolder. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, and uh, he left because of a bug in the code. Some of the val- uh, some of the variables in the in the script were left undefined, and it systematically went through and mercilessly deleted so in, of instead of picking a folder he just left it blank so it defaulted to the root of his of the drive oh, okay. and went through and deleted okay. everything in the drive yeah now this i'm actually surprised this story got picked up because it seems like the sort of thing that on forums you'd hear about quite a lot mm. it admins saying oh i made a bit of a mistake and deleted my backups or deleted my my stuff well but he, didn't, some... he didn't have backups well, I think I think he, he deleted the backup. So all servers got deleted, and the on-site backups too, because the remote storage was mounted just before by the same script. So this script, the, because this, the whole purpose of the script, I think, is to clean up backups. Yeah. Mm. So it mounted the backup drive beforehand. Okay. But you know, it just uh, it, it went rogue, so to speak. When you're working with this this kind of code, though, it's so easy to you have to really be checking and sure what you're doing because you. It's so easy just to hit a button and then you wipe everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially in something like like your day to day windows will often ask you if that if you you know, are you sure you actually want to delete all of this? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Whereas, you know, something more powerful like a command line thing will will just go for it. Yeah, well, this guy's using command line, he's no he knows you, what you he's clearly doing. know what you're doing, otherwise you shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, he he went on with this story and said that he deleted everything. I think quite looking back, quite a few people pick this up as a as a bit of a. Well, I I certainly saw it on some um, tech related news outlets. I'm surprised it got picked up by the Independent. Yeah, 
and uh, a lot of people took issue with it, saying that what he says happens, so everything, including the root folders being deleted, apparently he wouldn't be able to do that without an elevated permission, uh, which is something about um, that there's a preserve root switch or something like that, which you'd have to okay. to do before you could this could happen. Yeah, there's a few things that rang false, I think. Yeah, mm. so then it was a, a, an Italian website called Republica.it, um, which spoke to, to this guy, um, Marco Masala, uh, and got the story. I had to run it through Google Translate. <laughs> <laughs> so but it's going to be quality <laughs> English. Yeah. <laughs> Let's find out. All right, okay, so this is the Italian website, Republica.it, reporting on this. So. On internet, it has already become a legend, even though at first not just to recognise merit indeed. So within seconds, Marlo Masala, owner of a company of Genoa Hosting, born in 1986, was able to reset the server by entering a string of code that in a moment swept away websites and hosted file. <laughs> but Mark's version is different. It's very poetic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then and then I think Google Translate tripped up here because it says, I'm having a world, says the protagonist of the misfortune that has gone around the world. But, but the next the next uh, uh, sentence clarifies. In other words, it's all a joke. The command that I mentioned in the article is harmless, but it seems that almost no one has noticed, responds candidly Marsala when we asked what is the specific technique that makes the lethal string of code. And he concludes, and this is the uh, this is the takeaway, with the inaccuracies that are there in the online comments, I write a book. But why did he do it? It's a guerrilla marketing operation, a faux pas invented out of whole cloth just to advertise my startup where we offer outsourced server management services. Nowhere, though, have I seen the name of his startup. That, that's oh, really? true. So... As a guerrilla marketer, <laughs> I'm not sure that he succeeded. Maybe yeah. I suddenly deleted everything. Yeah, true. Unless um, Genoa is the name of the hosting company. Oh, maybe. It says a company of Genoa hosting, but it could be called Genoa hosting. Given you've had to translate stuff from Italian. Yeah, I mean, granted, the fact that I've had to... I mean, I, I wanted to really get to the root of this. I'm sure there are British... Uh, news stories or English ones that are reporting on it and do have the company name in there but still what a way to advertise your server management (laughs) (laughs) pretending that you've managed to delete your clients servers and their backups yeah to draw attention to it it's like um, (laughs) there's um, uh, um, a YouTube guy um, H3H3 Productions he did a video about these guys who did one of these social social experiment videos where they um, said they were selling something on Craigslist and then went and kidnapped the people. And uh, <laughs> so took them to these... Sounds or, you know, super dodgy. Or ran up to them with baseball bats. He took it down, actually, after the fact, because I think there was quite a lot of... A lot of people got upset with it. But it's so funny listening to the self-righteousness of them when they explain to the victim, they say, oh, no, no, it's a social experiment. We just want to raise awareness of the dangers of Craigslist Craigslist. yeah don't use Craigslist (laughs) or you will get kidnapped I don't know what the point he's making here is and but and to be honest right when you cis admins people on the internet who are in IT they are a bit 
I'm surprised that everyone wasn't instantly jumping on this, going, this wouldn't yeah. happen, this wouldn't work, because there's no more self-righteous, you know, holier-than-thou group of people on the internet than cis admins. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's been funny. that Apparently, there's been lots of responses to this guy of people taking it quite seriously yeah. and kind of calling him out and telling him he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. And there you go. That's it. You've yeah. no one to blame but yourself. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you make mistakes? Again, reading the article on The Independent, who were reporting it, um, they've got a couple of responses, and one of the quotes is, this is not bad luck. It's astonishingly bad design reinforced by complete carelessness. <laughs> like, yeah. burn on him. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Firstly, he's just sitting there, smug, thinking any publicity is good publicity, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's all good. So, yeah, in the end, he didn't delete everything. But this comes the same week that um, One Two Three Reg, uh, an online um, d- domain registration and hosting company, yeah, they've uh, had a similar blunder, almost really similar, in fact, um, which is um, they de- bas- they managed to delete a bunch of um, VPSs, didn't they? Yeah, virtual so, private servers for mm-hmm. the uninitiated. Yep, servers in the in the old cloud. Um, but, but as part of a, a cleanup operation, but an overzealous one by the sounds of it. I think deleting anything in an automated way, you really do have to be careful. Yeah. But, yeah. A saying I heard recently, which I quite liked. Which was, um, there are no good backups, only good restores. Yeah. Mm. Very interesting. You can have a backup that succeeds, but if you back up the wrong thing or it yeah. doesn't work when you come to do a restore, then. So there you go. I know we've said before, take backups. Well, adding on to that, restore them as well. The only backup you'll regret is the one you didn't take. Ah. Oh. That's like that quote from The Office, the, the Michael Scott Wayne Gretzky one. It's like, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, but more IT, with more <laughs> an IT can. Yeah. So did they, they're not able to restore anything? I think they have restored it. They, oh, they were doing like data recovery. They were taking hard drives to data specialists oh, and they? doing the sort of, you know, opening them up in clean rooms and that kind of level of stuff. Wow. So yeah, they. So you, if you want to have web hosting, but you want to have it on your own server so that you've got more kind of access and control and stuff, that's quite expensive. So the idea is that instead of doing that, you do a kind of halfway house where you buy a virtual private server. So you get like a, an instance of a server that's actually sat on a physical box with a bunch of other instances of the servers yeah. of servers that belong to other people. So you don't have to pay for the entirety of a server, mm-hmm. but you still get full access and full control and only you have stuff on that instance. Um, yeah, it's good because you one of the pros is you're able to say, it's not my problem, it's on the cloud, it's being backed up, I don't have to worry about it. Well, this, this is the thing because yeah. it wasn't being backed up. Um, one, two, three Reg would sell you a backup product, um, but it's not there in part of the default package. And I mean, we, I was chatting to some people in the office, and they were saying that yeah, they'd come across things like this before with hosting providers. It's actually quite common that they don't do any kind of backup at all. So yeah, if you if you kind of wreck your website 
unless you've paid them for a backup product. And in some cases, even if you've paid them for the product, if you've not actually been in and set it up yourself and configured it, then there is nothing. They, they don't have anything. Um, the interesting thing, though, is that that kind of makes sense, I guess, if it's like, you know, I've gone in and I've accidentally changed this part of my website and I've broken it all and I need to go back to how it was on Monday. Yeah, yeah. That you can, you can mm. see the argument of, you know, well, you're on your own or if you want, you can pay us however much a month and we'll give you a backup program. I think this is where there's a difference between kind of your common cloud storage and VPS environments whereas cloud storage you're not renting a server you're just taking some space on a server that you don't own and storing some files and you're not you don't you can install a backup really if you wanted to well yeah well yeah i mean the thing the thing that i'm thinking is if it's if it's my problem my fault i've gone in as the web developer and deleted something or changed something and broken it all then yeah. i can understand you know the the hosting provider says well that's your business you know you you shouldn't have changed that or you should have taken your own backups or you should have bought our backup product right. when it's the hosting provider themselves that have gone in and broken the website deleted the virtual private server mm. then it kind of brings it into a bit sharper relief because none of that is the client's fault. It is entirely the fault of the hosting provider and they don't have any backups and they don't have any way of getting that back apart from you know pulling yeah. these hard drives out and shipping them off to a data recovery company. True. That said, oh, no. I was going to say that said, we are talking one, two, three reg here and... You know, it's not the most sophisticated... You won't be running the most sophisticated things in the world on there, but I I'm thinking more of their web hosting, although oh, they're with their web design stuff rather than... Yeah, VPS. 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 Yeah, VPS. Like, there could be important stuff on there. Yeah, um, I mean, if you just go and look at Twitter, there's a lot of, a lot of people saying that, you know, all of their sites were hosted there and they're all gone, and this is their entire business has just been deleted. So... Yeah. So, so the other one was a hoax, but in a way, it's it's an it interesting was, setup, isn't it? Because it's <laughs> it is, it's massively, uh, I don't want to say convenient. That sounds a bit terrible to people losing data. <laughs> Coincidental, yeah. Um, I think they'll have a lot. There'll be a lot of people uh, running to Mr. Marsala, maybe enlisting <laughs> his services now. <laughs> a lot of disgruntled one, two, three reg employees. Um, um, Clients, guests, whatever you call customers. Customers. Yeah, sure. Okay, right. Next, let's talk smartphones. Uh, this was an article on Gizmodo uh, entitled, We've Reached Peak Smartphone. And it's definitely something that I've been thinking about quite a lot. Uh, but this sort of puts it into, into words. So, so it mentions a few of the latest phones. And the idea behind it is that we haven't really progressed very far in terms of smartphone design in the past couple of years. So reading from the article, sure, the iPhone SE was a pleasant attempt at diversifying Apple's lineup. The Galaxy S7 is water resistant. The G5 has an accessory slot and the HTC 10 is Android at its purest. But that's genuinely all there is to each of them. These devices have not refined the way we phone, nor have they blown us away with unprecedented speeds or wowed us with ex extraordinary battery life. Um, now... Yeah, just wanted to talk about that really. So the, uh, to be honest, the things that he mentions there, so the, the 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 cellular capabilities, the speeds, 
the battery life. Those are things that, those are the things I can see getting better with time. But they're not revolutionary, are they? No. It's all... And it's all stuff that we that has been done before. So they've started with the iPhone SE was a pleasant attempt at diversity. Apple have done that before with the iPhone 5C, which introduced colours, lots of different colours, yeah. and a plastic case. Well, I think it's the first time they've sort of regressed in size. Although I suppose you yeah. could argue there's the iPod Touch, which is kind of always been the same size do they still make those i believe so yeah, yeah i think so mm. i don't know i'd have to check <laughs> yeah. yeah it's there's no kind of big major features that are coming out is there no which isn't necessarily a bad thing i think we in our society of constant progress i think everyone gets a little bit of add everyone's always chasing the next big thing mm. Um, what phone have you got at the moment, Nick? I've got the 6S. 6S. And did you get that last year? Yeah, I think I got it last uh, November or something like that. Yeah. I've got the 6, so I've had this. It'll be going on no, going on two years in November. But, and I, you know, the iPhone 7 will probably come out and it'll be faster and, and what have you. But really, I'm, I'm still so happy with this phone. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing about this phone that I, apart from the fact that the the camera isn't totally flush with the back. I mean, it's just little bits that can be continued to be improved refined. upon yeah. and refined. Yeah, um, I don't. You're, I mean, you're discussing this as a as a person who gets a company phone. Yeah, if you're true. the average consumer that has to go out and pay several hundred pounds for a new phone every two years if they want to keep up with the latest trends and features and things then you know it's it's kind of getting quite hard to argue the point of you do need a new phone if there's nothing wrong with your existing phone and the new ones don't really have any new features then why would you want a new phone yeah i mean is it the s7 that has the sloped kind of waterfall effect with the screen running off the sides I'll be honest, when it comes to phone technology, I'm a little bit out of the loop. So I know my iPhones, I know my Android phones, but when it comes to the whole Samsung Galaxy, what's this, what's that, it gets a bit fragmented. That probably shows a little bit, Joe, with with how stagnant the market is a little bit and that you're not even in the loop with other things that are coming out because they're not making big waves. Didn't the article compare this to, say, the PC market back when... The market is just flooded with beige boxes that run the Oregon Trail. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. think is the phrase it used. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Heavily pixelated renditions of the Oregon Trail. <laughs> they're, they're basically saying that until Apple came along and put out the iMac, then it was just completely stagnant, boring market, and there was nothing new. So we're kind of looking for the next big company to come in and make waves and kind of revolutionize it Fix things up a bit yeah bendy phones <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah bendy phones hey yeah that'd be good or a phone on your skin or something weird like that yeah um yeah because i mean screen resolution that's the sort of thing where we're sort of re- we're reaching a point of diminishing returns where they can't really get much better um there was was it the amazon fire the phone where you could bend it and see it at an angle it was like slightly holographic so if you if you add it to tilt it looks slightly 3D in your hand. Not sure how that worked, no, but that was, that was cool. Um, front-facing, like, stereo speakers, phones with stereo 
stereo speakers. That's particularly that that could potentially be a thing. I did have a look at um, gimmicky phones to see if there was anything out there that was sort of pushing the market a bit. So one of them is Cat Caterpillar. Mm. Um, they've come up with this uh, Cat S60 phone, which is the first phone that has thermal in- imaging on it. Which I... sounds fascinating. I'm not sure I would want my yeah. one mobile phone to be a cat phone, but <laughs> the idea of a thermal imaging camera. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean... So uh, there's some people I can think of who would would love that. Who yeah. To be honest, when you're around the back of a server rack, trying to get a picture of a service tag or something like that, yeah. Sometimes a thermal thermal, thermal imaging image. come in handy, rather than it flashing and making it look like you're trying to take a selfie with the with the server camera. Well, whatever they find, whatever they uh, invent or put on new phones, we're going to find a way to use it, aren't we? And people will get excited about it no matter what. They'll be... Yeah. Yeah, but but because maybe there's nothing else to get excited yeah. about. Mm. Possibly, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's uh, got thermal imaging and it's very bulky and destruction proof. But I'm not sure what OS is running Android. Probably Android. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't look actually. Yeah, but it, looking at it, it looks quite. I think there's definitely a market there for the chunkier phone. You know, the Nokia replacement. Oh, we've got, we've we went to small and now we're going back to big. Yeah, yeah. So well, well, Apple's chunky case. might be next. <laughs> or well, then the iPhone SE. We're going back to small again. Can't yeah. make up their minds. And um, yeah, there's also. Uh, the Google Project Ara, 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 A R A. This is it. the Google Modular phone. Mm, yes. Which is you you have the base components and then you can slot different modules into it to upgrade things like processor, camera, storage. Oh yes, I have seen that. Yeah. It looks yeah. quite swanky. I don't know how it'd feel in your hand because you just sort of all the little uh, recesses where. And bits where the modules fit in. Um, so yeah, that's that's the idea of upgradable components, which kind of goes back to what we were saying about how you don't really need to upgrade a phone, or if there was one particular element of it that you wanted to upgrade. I can't remember on the email. Did I put a link to this New York Times article, the one about choosing to skip the upgrade and care for the gadget you've got? No, I don't think so. It's a New York Times article about a guy called Vincent Lai who uh, works at a recycling facility in New York. And he goes through uh, he goes through bins of used cell phones. Or he was going through one a few years ago when he dug up an old Palm Trio, so an old smartphone. Mm. And he tested it, found that it worked, took it home, got it working again. And he, and he talks about how, you know, this is how I think a, a lot of my tech stuff, candidates for 11th hour pet rescue. So he, and he's a big big believer in recycling the technology, keeping it going. Mm. So I think we're quite good at doing that in, in an IT sense. We could take a five-year-old laptop that's running really slow and we know that if you put a new drive in it or reinstall an OS, you're gonna, it's yeah. going to be a lot snappier. Or you can repurpose it and use it as a media server somewhere or, you know, yeah. yeah. But increasingly, it does feel like people are being pushed into a cycle every two years of upgrading, upgrading, upgrading. Yeah. Which, and I don't think it's I, phones either. A lot no, of stuff not, on finance. Even even on um, laptops now, with I think it was in twenty after the twenty eleven model of the MacBook Pro, Apple changed their next product so that everything was soldered to what they call the logic board. Right. Um, do apologize. I'm getting a call on my Apple Watch. A call which, on his watch, ladies fun, and gentlemen. Funnily enough. I've got my phone on silent, but I completely forgot to put my watch on silent. There you go. That's a first world problem. If I've ever heard one. 
was yeah. saying. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the logic board for the Yeah, MacBook. so previously with the MacBook Pro, you could upgrade the RAM and the hard drive like you could with other computers. But then Apple made the drastic decision to solder that to to the logic board. Now you can't upgrade it. And so, they again, they're forcing you into a cycle of getting a new laptop every time yeah. something goes wrong or breaks and you can't replace it. Yeah. You have to get a brand new one and... When you're fed up of it and it's running slow in four or five years' time, instead of just, I don't know, getting a better hard drive, uh, you have to buy a new one. People are saying about consoles as well. Yeah. So PS4.5, PS4K, or whatever they end up calling it, this Uh, new Project Neo, and whatever Microsoft decides to do, yeah, it just gives you a more... A constant revenue stream, I guess, if you can predict that people are going to come back every couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So as a as companies, I'm sure it's great as consumers. <laughs> yeah, well, it's up to us to make us think about it, I suppose. I There's a guy. Have you ever heard of Eight Bit Guy on YouTube? Yeah, I think I've, I've seen not. some of his stuff. He's he's really good. He does a lot of stuff about how graphics old, old graphics processors work, and does a lot with old old tech, old mm. kit. Okay. And he did a video recently called Are Computers Still Getting Faster? And he got a load of people to weigh in, um, including LGR. And the theory is that progress has slowed with, with computers. The general trend is you had your initial spike in CPUs until you, you sort of got to the point where computers now don't need any more CPU because everything's offloaded to the cloud or websites. Mm. Not so much is done on laptops. So everything's been built to run on phones and things as well. To be mobile, which requires less, yeah, less of a less processing processing footprint. So, which is why Windows Ten you can run with more or less the same spec as Windows Seven, which is you know about ten years old. So, talking about the Oregon Trail and PCs and beige boxes, maybe we're getting to that point again. Yeah, I think the only thing with that is, say, things like VR coming along, Mm. which do need crazy amounts of graphics cards and processors and memory. Yeah, Yeah. and and I do hope it works for them, because it'd be nice to shake things up a bit. So shall we, uh, before we uh, run out of time, David, do you want to lead us in this story you found about the, the internet mapping glitch? Okay, yeah, so something I came across on Twitter, I think. Um, so it's basically about um, you may have seen when you've gone on websites that you can get adverts sometimes which are targeted to your location so they'll yeah. try and sell you stuff in Sheffield for yeah. instance or, or hot singles in Sheffield <laughs> is that maybe, what you see maybe I'm visiting the wrong site so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and that's done using um, GOIP type services so essentially taking the IP address that your computer's coming out of on your your internet connection and you looking that up in the database and figuring out whereabouts in the world you are based on that um, and these kind of there's one particular service um, I don't remember the company name have you got it written down maxmind maxmind Max okay it sounds a bit close to hive mind <laughs> or deep mind for my liking but hey so they, I think they were probably one of the first to do this. Um, they're definitely in America um, provide these GOIP location services, but they kind of they never really sold it as anything specific. Um, like you can narrow people down to maybe a state 
uh, yeah. that kind of deal. Uh, but the way you find out this information is often not very accurate. So they have this big database and they kind of like drive around the country with things and just scan local networks and stuff and do a whole bunch of kind of vague things. um, They call it war drive. Yeah. Sending cars around the US looking for open Wi-Fi networks and getting those IP addresses and recording whereabouts they pick up those IP addresses. Yeah, so they they construct this big database um, and say whereabouts they think people are. But if they don't know where a particular IP address is, it can often get dumped in a sort of um, general area location. So, for instance, they picked... Is this in Kansas, I think? Yeah, that's right. In kind of the the very middle of the United States, but slightly rounded as far as the GPS coordinates go, is their location for... It's somewhere in the United States, but we don't have anything more specific <laughs> than that. And as it turns out, the, the GPS coordinates they've picked is the driveway of a farm in Kansas. Yeah. So the owners of this farm have got hundreds of people turning up and like contacting them because they've looked up some IP address of somebody who's done something online that they're not a fan of. And... Um, backtraced it to this location and think that they're responsible yeah and wow. it's also so it could be you know people that they think have wronged them so scams it's um like people on suicide you know that, that yeah suicide watch they've had people turn up for that and um, ambulances yeah threats all sorts it's astounding and it's all landed at their door because that's where the ip address seems to come from Mm. If they ever want to sell that farm, they're going to have a hard time <laughs> doing oh. it. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Is that the? I guess that's the sort of thing you'd have to mention. Would you? Well, I don't know because if they don't, I'm guessing the local sheriff would. Because it says here in the article the harassment continued to the point where the local sheriff had to intervene. So he placed a sign at the end of the driveway warning people to stay away from the house and to call in with questions. Mm. <laughs> which uh, there's wow. also a picture, <laughs> which is. Um, uh, the caption is something left outside the house. Did you see that? Yeah. What is it? Is it a toilet? It is a toilet, yes. There's just a toilet sat yes. in the middle of their driveway. A smashed up toilet by just the looks a, of it. Sort of very... Just a gift. Vague, confusing threat. Maybe. Yeah. It might have just been coincidental fly tipping that happened <laughs> to be on this spot of land that sort of draws in a lot of ire and anger and what have you. But yeah, it's not it's not the first and the only place that has had this kind of thing happen as well. There's yeah. quite a few because if they can narrow it down to say states, then they still like kind of pick a location in the state to act as the default one if they don't have anything more specific. So there's lots of people with like a house where they just turn up. There was um, there's somebody who owned a house on a road that also had a data center on it. Yeah, and so loads of IP addresses yeah, yeah. were attached to this data center, and <laughs> theirs was the only actual residence. And people were turning up at the residence, thinking that stuff had been going on. Yeah. yeah, I think a guy, the guy turned up. He came home one day to find the SWAT getting ready to knock his door and to look for a laptop. Yeah, with government information, a stolen government laptop. Yeah, yeah, and they had yeah. a search warrant and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guy turned up in the nick of time. Yeah. Sounds like he saved himself a lock, but they tipped the house. So the article says. Yeah, so it's interesting. I think the the conclusion was, 
in terms of this Max Mind company, yeah. um, that I don't think they were particularly aware that this was going on until the reporter broke the story. And they said that they are going to change their default location coordinates to the middle of lakes and things like that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to make sure that people don't kind of turn up at these places looking for houses. I can see it now, some fella going out for a you know a Saturday morning fish in the lake and just at the shore he's like, are those, are those torches and pitchforks? What's <laughs> people waiting for him to get off the boat. Yeah, so yeah, putting them in bodies of water, that should that should hopefully fix the issue. Um, or, or they could just stick it somewhere completely out of the way. Be good for tourism though. <laughs> yeah, 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 I suppose so. There was one house that was the only place that had a static IP address in the whole area because it was so rural. So they attracted a load of geo geolocation IPs. The same yeah. thing happened. But yeah, they, they, they sort of put out this central dot saying this is the centre of America 10 years ago. It's taken 10 years for them to change it. Yeah. Granted, they didn't do didn't make a lot of fuss about it. You know, they didn't have to take them to take Max Mind to court over it or anything. They just said, "Oh, our bad. We'll change it." Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. In a lot of the cases, it seems like the people who have these people turn up at their doors have no idea why they've actually <laughs> turned up. Like, what's actually going on there? They need a therapy couch there or something. <laughs> Some people turn up and say, "Come in, sit down. What's bothering you?" This isn't about an IP address, is it? No. Yeah. Okay, great. Very good. Right, we'll finish off there then. Um, I'm going to spring this on you because we always do last minute. Usually we have an app of the week in which people present their favourite app. What are you going to spring on me now? Well, I'm going to ask you, is there any particular apps that you, that you use day to day that you think we'd all benefit from knowing? Funnily enough, uh, there is. Uh, my parents pointed this one out to me. It's actually an app that reminds you to drink water. Okay. Okay. So it's it's called. Let me just find it. I think it's called Water Minder. Um, yeah. And basically, you get a notification every hour or so, reminding you to drink water, and then you pop in your history and how much you're drinking, and then before you set it up, you tell you tell it how active you are, right. and then it determines how much water you should be drinking a day. Um, what is the so, going going amount? What I should I think, be drinking these days? Ooh, I feel like I've heard loads of different numbers. For I thought it was six. So months. for me, my goal, if I just get it up in a minute, I think it's a, I think it's about one thousand five hundred milliliters. So put that in glasses for me. For example, <laughs> one one of our glasses uh, in the kitchen might be three hundred and fifty mil. So maybe I need to have five or six of those oh, that's not so bad which is not so bad but that's for my activity levels being fairly low yeah so if you're someone who runs a lot yeah. then you're going to be required to drink more right but it's my, good my wife's got an app and she said she needed 11 glasses a day granted she's a teacher and she's a running around a bit but 11 glasses that's a lot yeah it's a lot what does it take into account things like cups of coffee and tea or is this separate i think this is completely your choice um (laughs) there's been a lot of debate about whether coffee is actually dehydrating or not which i think it's not meant to dehydrate you as much as people think um but i've decided not to include it right because i don't it might hydrate you a little bit but it's nothing like a proper glass of water um, I was thinking yeah. between this app and I've still got the, the, the Jawbone Up app 
You see, from when we had those jawbone, jawbone wristbands, telling me at 11 p.m. every night, it is time to go to bed. <laughs> it is time to go to bed. It is time to drink some water. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> Dangerous hole to get down. Yeah. All right. Well, thank it's you good. very much. Yeah. I think I think it's especially working in an office job. It's easy to forget. You just kind of get stuck on coffee. Yeah. And then you don't feel any better. You forget other drinks. And actually, water is really important. So I thought it was worthwhile. Saying that, I've not always kept to it. When it's reminded me, I've sometimes just ignored it and left it. But. Yeah. yeah. This podcast brought to you by the Department of Drinking Water. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, let's uh, let's leave it there. Then. That's, a, that's a nice, healthy podcast. That's a podcast that's drunk six glasses of water. Um <laughs> If you'd like to get in touch with us about anything we've been discussing, then please do. You can catch us on Twitter at Unraveling Tech. Send us an email at podcasts at unravelingtechnology.co.uk. Podcasts, singular. Sorry, not podcasts. Uh, blog, unraveling.technology. Lots of nice articles on there. And drop us a review if you can find the time on iTunes. That would be very much appreciated. We are Unraveling Technology on there as well. But from me... David, Nathan, and all the noise outside. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Bye. Bye.